Hey everybody, my name is Kyla. Welcome to my channel where I talk about the stock market and the economy amongst other things. Today I'm going to talk about the real ownership economy. So this is something that I talked about in the piece last week in why the economy feels bad. And I think part of the reason is we just don't own stuff. There's a huge dispersion of wealth and I'm going to talk about all that and more, talk about real estate, talk about the stock market, and talk about equity in the companies that you work for. So I read the case for pool party progressivism hard to say, this week, and I really thought it was brilliant. Kate Arnoff walks through the climate policy and the promise of the Inflation Reduction Act, but how it's failed to resonate with the public. Like, everyone is like, okay, what are you doing? Like, why, why is this relevant to me, a person? No one really trusts the government to actually get stuff done, even though the government arguably is getting stuff done with new clean energy jobs and all sorts of subsidies and support. But as Kate writes, people don't seem to experience the idea of the economy through numbers by which the administration is judging that success. Left out of most conversations about industrial policy is the question of whether people are having a nice time. I might feel like silly to be like everybody should be just be having a blast, but it really helps. And she goes on to talk about the New Deal, which was FDR's project incredibly successful, built a lot of infrastructure, sewage, postage, but it also built a lot of places for people to have fun. Places for people to chill, so athletic fields, cabins, vis visitor centers, there was a focus on recreation as well as building out, you know, highways. But of course, these kinds of places are tough to sell to investors. What sorts of returns can Wall Street expect from a library that gives away free books for free? and serves as a cooling center during heat wave, where is the revenue stream from letting people host their kids' birthday party at a public pool? Of course, right? It's all about money. And then she ends it, the piece, with a simple yet astounding idea, in my opinion. Why not give people something to enjoy about decarbonization instead of just a daunting to-do list of large-scale infrastructure projects? Call it pool party progressivism. Politics recognizing that the unionized workers erecting all those wind turbines and solar panels might want to go sit by the water with their friends and family after work, grow zucchini next to their neighbors, and join a rec soccer league. That will mean finding ways to invest in things that companies won't. The government, though, gets to take all the credit, not just for some impressive set of economic indicators, but for strengthening communities and letting people have some fun cutting carbon. And I think this is such a big point because one thing that I talked about in the piece last week, and somebody beefed with me in the newsletter, but like the way that the market is designed is designed to chase returns and things like building public pools, like you're not going to make a lot of money off that, but it's really important for how we think about making money in the future like if you don't if you have this kid who's brilliant smart whatever but they don't have a place to like go and be safe they're never going to be able to build the next company necessarily like they might be able to figure it out but that path would be a lot harder so we have to think about the next generation and build for them rather than always focusing on the returns of the current generation we have good stuff going on, but we don't have any fun. We're lacking community. There's chronic individualism, things I've talked about. We're all very familiar with it. And fun is important. David Dayton wrote about how the economic metrics are fine, but things clearly aren't. Highlighting consumer spending as a driving force, he writes about the psychological mass FOMO, fear of missing out event in the United States, financed by a lot of credit card debt, and people living in an economy that just does not feel good. He writes, there's a lot of talk of soft landing that avoids a recession, but there's still landing a lower spot than if you're in midair. People would rather be flying high and he talks about how it takes time to feel better so I think there's been this expectation and I've done a bad job at this too there's been this expectation it's like well inflation is going down like why don't you feel good yet like look at the industrial production metrics why don't you feel good and 
again, it's because of that, that lack of fun, lack of community, chronic individualism, and of course, real economic data, which I'm going to talk about later on as well. There is a lot coming. The government is likely going to shut down again in September. We have energy prices potentially on the rise, student loan repayments starting back up. All of that feels really bad. All of that is bad. Like, And so I think that you know we have a lot of good stuff happening with Bidenomics and the labor market objectively, but it, because it's all isolated or centralized to some boring idea, we just don't appreciate the good stuff. We have a lot of bad stuff happening too, like big bad stuff, homelessness is on the rise again, the housing crisis, a feeling of stagnancy for many workers, in incredibly reductive terms, this sucks. It's not about feeling bad, like things are objectively bad in a lot of instances, but also there are things that are good. However, the things that are good do not outweigh the bad stuff in a meaningful fashion for many, many people. I got this comment on a TikTok video I made yesterday and it's very true. I think the relationship you've overlooked is that the majority of economic metrics fixate on assets. The economy is a diagnosis of property health, not necessarily people's well-being. If you own securities, businesses, or other asset classes, your situation does look more optimistic. However, the majority of young people have no holdings and therefore feel disconnected from statements about the economy as an inclusive determination of people's quality of life. Getting onto the property ladder is harder than ever. Wages have not matched productivity for half a century. For indirect issues, there's also a growing understanding that politics, much like the economy, is not also not inclusive. There was a Princeton study that showed 90% of voters are disenfranchised from policy decisions. Politicians only pay attention to asset holders, so if we did want to affect change in the economy, we are not afforded the political leverage to do so. In short, things are bad, bureaucracy prevents us from making them better, and leading businesses and policymakers keep gaslighting and their success somehow benefits us. And you wonder why the vibes are off. I appreciate the analysis, but it comes off as strikingly tone deaf, especially from a fellow young person. And just to address like the fellow young person comment, because, oh my god, I just sometimes have to, I have a whole body of work, I think, that has addressed a lot of those points, and I think that I have fallen privy to being like but things feel bad like data okay things feel bad but more recently have definitely i hope shifted in the direction to be like well here's why things bad here's why things feel bad and are potentially bad but of course when you make 60 second videos every day people are not aware of your whole body of work and there's always some sort of misunderstanding as well um, that shadow on the whiteboard is quite distracting depth like i said about the things that this commenter brought up but their main beef with the video was i was like the vibes are off and and they are the vibes are off but i didn't address within the video enough i think the idea of why the vibes are off like the vibes can be off because of a lot of things but i think primarily it is around ownership and that's really the one thing that we need to focus on fixing so i went on PayPigs with Emil and ben hopefully it's okay that i talk about it uh, they're the best guys and we spent most of the podcast talking about the system and some of the issues that come up for people because there's a huge conversation to have about ownership because wealth is wrapped up into homes people feel bad when they can't get a home because like number one it's nice to have a house like having a yard is kind of cool um grass is a whole different conversation housing is a human right right like housing is a human right and also having a house is the path to wealth in the united states of america but having a house is not really an option right now for a lot of people because boomers are wrapped up you know no no mortgage you know 38 million people have no mortgage on their home they're not going to sell when with mortgages society they're just going to be chilling they have a huge asset and so people cannot get into the housing market and so then it's like well what do i do what do i do because I thought this was the way to wealth and I don't have access to it anymore. 
And so it has to be more about giving people opportunities for ownership beyond the thing that they live in, because then housing becomes a speculative asset, which is a whole other issue. And a lot of that circles back to the idea of ownership brought up in the above comment. And this is what I think should be done. And a lot of others think this too. Um, I think we should bring back baby bonds. When a kid is popping out of the, the mom, like assign uh, them a bond, they give them a bond, set them up. <laughs> I think that sort of thing would be massively beneficial to people. And I also, this is my hottest take, and I've mentioned it before, people do not like it. I think that we need to turn FedNow, which is the Fed's instant payments app, into a super app. Yeah, I think we need to disrupt fintech with the government, which people do not like. But I think there needs to be a centralized system that almost every other government has, where people can save and spend money and invest in T-bills all in one spot. Because I feel like if you knew that you could go and download the FedNow app, you could get paid there. Like you wouldn't have to worry, all companies would pay on time. Um, you could save your money, you could spend your money there, invest in the T-bills, like I said. Parts of the fintech ecosystem should be consolidated by a central bank. I was buying a bike the other day and I was trying to use Venmo. Venmo wasn't working, PayPal wasn't really working either. And it's like, why do we have Cash App, uh, Zelle, all of these apps, why do we have them? Like consolidate them and then also consolidate investment within this super app so people know where to go and know how to get into equities and know how to own the government bonds. And I also think, you know, so we have the bottom 50% of Americans keeping all of their assets in housing. All of their wealth is wrapped into their home, which creates all sorts of issues around speculation because if all of your wealth is in your house, you're gonna want the value of your house to skyrocket. You're going to want to have, buy a house at $300,000 and make it go up to 1.1 million. That is going to be the ideal situation, but that's not the ideal situation for the world, right? Like that's good for you, but not for anybody else really, except for maybe your neighbors. And so we have to think about a world beyond speculative housing, a world where it's not 50, the bottom 50% having all their housing, all their wealth tied up into housing, but rather matching what the top 0.1% and the top 10% are doing. All of their wealth is in corporate equities and private businesses. So hot take again, but I think ESOPs should become more popular. Other people have written about this as well. Starbucks does a good job with this. Like if you work for a company, you should own part of that company. And I know some people will be like socialism, but like if you work for something, you should be able to benefit in the offside from it, hypothetically, right? And I also think that we need to, again, give people easier access to the stock market. Obviously it shouldn't be like Wall Street Bets-esque era, but it should be a way that people can go and invest in the S&P 500 if they choose to do so and it shouldn't be through an app like Robinhood it should be I think through the central bank or some sort of centralized entity that is saying here's a one-stop shop for you to send payments for you to save your money for you to get your paycheck and it's all gonna be here and this is where your baby bond is too guy I, I just think like that would be good and if you look at this chart the problem is clear it's not about having assets in housing. It's about how we can find different ways for people to become owners. I think one of the other reasons that people are upset is because of what the government showed they could do during the pandemic. Freeze rents, send stimulus, help people out, and then all of that stopped. It's like when you're first dating somebody and it's perfect. You're like, oh my gosh, like they're so mindful, they care and they're kind, and it's cool. Like you're like, wow, I didn't know people could be so nice and then they just kind of stop trying so like all of the stuff that they had done just ends like the potential is still within them they showed they could do it but once they got that once they got the bag you know they just started mailing it in and that's what the government did to its citizens showed them what they could do basically you know gassed them up and then wiped them up 
and then said, <laughs> never mind. So it is bad. It doesn't really feel bad, but like objectively, a lot of the stuff that is happening is bad. And I talked about this badness at length last week, and honestly, Derek Thompson summed it up perfectly in a single tweet, which is typical. Most Republicans say their economy is good or great, which of course, you know, all of this supersedes politics, and most of those Republicans say the economy is bad or terrible. So they're feeling fine, but everything around them is bad. Many things happening here, but one of them is the nationalization of vibes. In a world of all local news and no national news, everybody's sense of reality ends at the metro limits. We have the opposite. With the death of local news, all the vibes are national ideological. I'm not saying the following is an accurate depiction of today's reality, but did anybody think to write a dystopia where everybody is doing fine, but also to feel something, they choose to plug their amygdala into a cortisol machine that makes them think everything is horrible. I wish I could write like that. Here ties into this idea that was um, tweeted out the other day where people feel this like social pressure to feel really bad. Like if you're not showing anxiety about the world around you, it seems like you don't care. It's misaligned expectations mostly. It should be more accessible is important and it should be. And as Joey highlights, more of America's housing stock is from the 1950s than the 2010s. Education shouldn't bankrupt people. And the healthcare, real wages, opportunities should all be better. They all should be better. Uh, and like, yeah, of course, of course, of course, of course, we all get this. But then it gets into politics, and politics are politics, and that's a tough pool to wade into. I do think the most interesting thing about Fitch downgrading the United States of America, they said, hey, you're credit isn't that good, you kind of suck, was the fact that they cited the debt ceiling debacle as one of the main reasons. It's the inability to get along creating some of the issues at hand, and books have been written on that alone, so I'm not going to address it here, but it's frustrating, it's vibes and everything else. Anna Gott, who rocks, amazing, introduced me to George Packer's last best hope about American tribalism. Free America, and he divides America into four parts. Free America, which imagines a nation of separate individuals and serves interests of corporations and the wealthy. Smart America, the worldview of Silicon Valley and the professional elite, real America, the white Christian nationalism of the heartland, and just America, which sees citizens as members of identity groups that inflict or suffer oppression. And then Packer says, hey, the only way that this gets better, the only way that we solve these four quadrants is if we establish a common identity and maybe try to get along. Ibn Khaldun, the original, the original economist, wrote, The individual human being cannot by himself obtain all the necessities of life. All human beings must cooperate to that end in their civilization. But what is obtained through the cooperation of a group of human beings satisfies the need of a number many times greater than themselves. There has to be a national story to align to. There are exciting and good things going on, but the bad is outweighing the good for many, for obvious reasons. And there's also a shift in how we talk about these good things, less about money and more about how. As Talman Joseph Smith points out, if you ever wanted evidence that the convo in DC and New York power centers is shifting from financial constraints, is it deficit neutral, how do we pay for it, to resource constraints, few worries about affordability and focus on IRL implementation and productivity, here you go, and he highlights this tweet about, you know, how do we find the resources we need for the IRA? And it's not going to be about money, but about things. Hassan Khan highlights that too. Based on the numbers below for the IRA, U.S. solar industry will require more imports of wafers, poly polysilicone in the years to come, likely from China to fill its factories. The future is going to be about resources, and the funny thing about that is, you know, sure, we've, like, we've been, like, relied on money to do everything over the past few years, but resources are constrained to the natural world, something that we've kind of ignored. We've just thought that like we could sort of uh, do it without without taking care of the earth. And of course, if we do synthetics, maybe, but like it's tangential to our natural world. And I think now it's not about, okay, how do we finance this? But like, how do we do it? How do we make sure that the earth can support our goals?
um, we are going to have to live alongside the earth in coming years, not on top of it, not on like barely remembering that it exists. Humans in the environment will need to become mindfully intertwined. And you might puff up your chest and say like, global warming isn't real. Uh, but if we want to keep on building, it can't be in this muscle Mad Max Torchland fashion. More likely than not, as many have pointed out, we will need to develop narratives around nature and people's role within it, not outside of it. Ownership will be with an asset, certainly, but also might need to be more mindful of the earth around it. Money can do a lot of things, but the laws of physics and biology supersede the almighty dollar. Perhaps there, perhaps there are stories to be told within that and fun things to build and systems to redesign. So ownership, it's really important. There's ways around it. And yeah, um, I, you know, I, so I was traveling this week and I was meant to be in New York City right now. I actually been to be on a plane this very second and I started getting panic attacks, something that I've been struggling with since October 2022. Um, and it kind of reminds me of the economy, of course, but for me, like when I get these attacks, it sucks. Like it's debilitating. If you've ever had one, you know what it feels like. If you haven't had one, um, it feels like you're, you're dying. And I think that there's a realness to it that feels really real. I'm obviously like, I'm fine. My body is just, my nervous system is freaking out. The vibes in my body are bad. The economic reality around me is fine. Like my reality is fine, but inside of me, there's obviously some sort of misalignment. And so I feel like that is kind of the economy at large too, is that, you know, there's some sort of imbalance that makes it really hard to function. And so that is like a terrible analogy, but I think that's kind of what's going on. Um, there's real, real, there's real badness. It's not just vibes. Um, I hope y'all are doing okay. I'll talk to you very soon. I was published in the Financial Times this week and also I'm doing a IRL series in New York City if you would like to join, but go ahead and hit the subscribe button, the like button, share with a friend if you choose to do so. If y'all are doing okay out there, and I'll talk to you very soon.